Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. Good podcastville. Happy generic time of day to you. Thank you, Blue Canary, for your consistent support and sound reaper graphics in the pavilion. You as a listener can also support the show on Patreon. Today, my guest is Andrew from podcastguest.com, Austin, and uh, in my neighborhood. How are yeah, you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I met you about three or four years ago when you had just moved out from Austin. And uh, yeah, yeah. So you uh, see so into the rainy in. northwest. So what do you got? A doodle? Is that what your dog is? Uh she's she she's a mutt. I I don't know. A little bit of spits, a little bit of sheltie, a little bit of um. I, I don't know. She tracks a lot of mud into the house. Oh, I, I bet. Know that. She's yeah. got all that curly long hair. Yeah, huh? exactly. Good looking dog though. Yeah. Um, I'm in your neighborhood walking my dog quite a bit as well. Yeah. So how have you liked the the change in location you from know, Austin to it's here? It's good. It's been interesting because we moved up here right before COVID hit. Right. Yeah, and so it it really, you know, we weren't able to get out and explore the, the, the area as quickly as we wanted to. And then we quickly got tired of the limited number of restaurants to, you know, <laughs> so you couldn't go out to eat and weren't going into Seattle much. But uh, it's nice. I mean, it's a big change from Austin. Uh, it, the weather, we were trying to escape the heat down there. And so we definitely did that moving up here. Um, but you know, this part of the country has its own weather issues. <laughs> yeah. Aug- August smoke season and, uh, you know, rainy, the rest of, you know, but it's been so dark this winter. It has been, but you know, we're on the up and up, right? I yeah. was just looking, we're, we're close to daylight savings change and you know, it'll, it'll start to get a little better. Can't so, wait. It yeah. snowed the other night. We were at soccer practice and uh, it was like a whiteout coming back from Tacoma driving, you know, less than 40 miles an hour on the freeway. Just couldn't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm so done with this right now. Yeah. It's, it's that time of year, right? Where you're just pulling out of the gloom and, uh, but you know, I'll tell you the first couple of years here, I was like, people lied to us because in, in March and April, it was just beautiful. Beautiful, And then then last year we're like, oh, okay. This this is how it works. So it's weird too, because I've. I've never had that seasonal depression that people talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've lived on the West coast the majority of my life. And uh, this is the first, first time it's really got to me a little bit. Yeah. But I'll say this, I mean, well, Southern California doesn't, but Austin, I mean, you got like this in August, 
right? Like where you're just like, it's so oppressive. It's mm. hot. It's humid. It's over a hundred every day and the humidity is really high and it's just suffocating. So, you know, it's the hotbed now for podcasters and comedians. Like everybody moved. You got Joe Rogan moved down there. You got, um, yeah. Well, Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah. There, there are a lot of, I mean, yeah. COVID, it kind of had its day. Elon moved down there. And so for better or worse, it's been a, I mean, it's always been a boom town. I moved to Austin in 95, went to college there at the university. And it's just been booming ever since. It, it must've been me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But then I left and then everyone came. So, Hey, how big is South by Southwest out there? Is that like a, the Comic-Con yeah, South by Southwest is is a great event, but it's also like the, you know, the music, it started as just the music, and then I think they added the film, and then they added this interactive back, I'm going to say it was a few years after I got out of college, like 2000, well, actually, that's that's when I first went, like 2002, 2003, and then that became the biggest thing, right, because mm -hmm. Twitter, Twitter kind of launched or headed stay there, right, That that's where it really took off, and so then it became like this spring break for geeks. Right. And yeah, then very like, commercialized and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it, it's, it's massive, but you know, unless you have a good reason to go, you don't want to go. Like if you're going for the, and, and the music has always been a little bit more, um, industry, right? Like it's where bands go to get discovered. Whereas Austin city limits music festival is more for people that want to go listen to music. Kind Established. Of yeah. 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 So. I heard that South by Southwest has kind of been taken over by podcasters a little bit too. Yeah. And it's yeah. expensive to get a booth or her present there. Absolutely. And then it's, it's expensive just to go because you've got, you know, the hotels are all booked up and, and that sort of stuff. It's a multi-day thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a lot of fun, you know, but yeah, it's, it got very commercial, right? So all the tech companies and such are spending millions of dollars with their big displays there and, and that sort of stuff. So Kind of reminds me of Seattle when it had its boom. You yeah. That Austin's kind of having that mini boom right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think when I moved there, it was population was under a million metro. Now it's over 2 million. So, um, yeah, it's, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the funny thing is people like lament like certain institutions that shut down, right? Like a good concert venue and that sort of stuff. But, but a lot of good has come out of that boom too. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got a lot more arts than you used to have. You have a lot more venues, even if some of the old ones shut down. Uh, I mean, no one was caught dead downtown after 5 p.m. there. You know, when I first moved there, no one lived downtown. And now there are 10,000 plus people living downtown. There's groceries or, you know, well, the original Whole Foods and, and all that sort of stuff down there. Um, and so it. I think it was a good thing. You know, obviously there's some bad stuff that comes with growth. There's traffic, there's, um, you know, the cost of living, that sort of thing. It's mm -hmm. still a lot cheaper in here, but, you know, cost of living goes up. But but I think there was a lot of good that came from it. So, yeah. Well, I read about you way back when. Well, first we met, um, but then I read a, read about you on, online and, and you do some blogs and, and such in the domain realm. But when I first met you, I found out that you had podcastguest.com and that was a concept that was kind of foreign to me because as a podcaster, you're constantly looking for people to come in and have a conversation with. And especially here on the island, we have, I have a limitation of 25,000 people I can choose from, right? <laughs> 
So the idea of a directory to get people and when I first started I didn't I wasn't doing anything remote. It was always here in the gloom tomb. Um I thought it was a fascinating idea and it was really easy to work with. Recently you've sold that company now. Uh can you tell us a little bit about how that whole process was formed and and why you did it and why you got out of it? Yeah, so uh, I started my own podcast about domain names back in 2014, so I doubt anyone listening to your show listens to my show. But uh, um, And for like the first year, I was tapping my Rolodex, reaching out to people that might be interested in being a guest on my show. Hold on. Can you explain to the young kids that listen to this? <laughs> Rolodex. <laughs> I, I, I opened sure. up the uh, contacts app in my phone and was <laughs> hitting up everyone I knew. Um, and so, uh, but after about a year, I was like, okay, I need some new and interesting people. And so I went out there and I was like, surely there's a service that will help me find people for free or cheap. And, and there weren't any. So I said, well, I'll just create it. That's, that's the glory of finding a problem. Right. It's coming back with a solution. Right. And so, you know, I started emailing some other podcasters saying, Hey, do you want to trying this thing out. Do you want to join? And a lot said, yeah, yeah, let's try it. And it really just kind of took off. You know, we started with just a couple hundred people at first and then it moved. Well, up when I sold the business, uh, in December, we had over 40,000 users. Um, a lot of them paid. It was kind of a freemium model. Um, and we were connecting, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of, of podcast guest opportunities across every imaginable Niche. platform yeah right so domain names there were ones about psychology business crime, law, yeah. crime yeah true crime all, all those sorts of things so it was a lot of fun met a lot of interesting people as, as well um but a, as it grew and became a lot bigger um you know i started to think about hey is this something that maybe i can hand off to someone who can put some fresh eyes on it you know reinvigorate it um, and so I went through that process last year. I hired a, a broker to sell the business and found the right person and, and sold it. Awesome. That's exactly what you should do. Yeah. And then and go create the next uh, solution to the next problem. Exactly. Uh, let me ask you, what was the most popular type of guest that people sought out? Was there a genre of such? Uh, you know, entertainment, obviously, when you have, uh, when you have, um, someone who's really interesting. Like one of the guys on there was, uh, from tag team, which again, for your younger listeners, which I'm sure you have a lot of, they might not know. But, uh, so I'm back hopeful in the, I have any, <laughs> the, the, uh, in the nineties, they did whoop. There it is. Yeah. Um, whoop, there it is. Exactly. Tag and team. He was recently in a, uh, Geico commercial. Um, and oh, the so, ice cream one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Scoop, scoop. There it is or something like that. So, so anyhow, he was on a platform, you know, people love something like that, you know, mm -hmm. someone who's a celebrity to them, but, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of mental health too, especially during COVID, you know, um, a lot of mental health type guests were very popular as well. Um, the telehealth period is a growing industry, right? You, know, you almost hear it on every podcast now, the commercial, right? Uh, right. What is it? Better help? Yeah, I'm not sure there are a few of them, right? Yeah. There are a few of them out there, but yeah. So, um, you know, there were all, all kinds. It was, it was really fascinating. It was really interesting learning about all these people that had, you know, just these tiny, you know, I'm in a tiny niche with domain names, right? But, you know, they just had this one thing that they were the expert on. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was some really interesting people that I met along the way. 
So how long did you have that business about? So I started it in 2016. So it was about six, I guess, six and a half years by the time I sold it. And so I sold it to an entrepreneur in California who has previously built up and sold a PR technology company. Um, and he's like, Hey, this is, has a lot of similarities, has a lot of ideas. And so he's getting uh, his feet wet with it. And, and I think he'll do a great job. Let him know that my podcast is for sale too. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll let him know. <laughs> He'll write you a check tomorrow. I like checks. I like checks. It's another shout out to Patreon people. Uh, <laughs> so I know I've had conversations with you about domain names and I, I know the first conversation, I think we were at battle point. Listen to my man, Leroy Bell, shout out to him. I didn't quite understand what the hell you were doing. <laughs> And I have a better idea of it now. Do you auction off domain names that you buy? Do you personally like stock up on blank, blank, blank.com and then put an auction like eBay up and sell it to the highest bidder or um, how you make them? So I don't, I don't auction them, but I own, I own a couple thousand names. And so I list Jeez. those for sale. Um, and then people for sale.com. <laughs> I don't, that, that would be worth a lot of money, a, a lot more than my domains are worth. But yeah, you blow me away with how, how much money these domain names can fetch. You know, I, I'm always like, Hey, GoDaddy charges me 60 bucks a year or whatever. And that's the going rate. I had no idea that, uh, I think when I really started getting interested in what you were doing was when Facebook turned to meta and you wrote a piece about the metaverse meta.com and yeah. you put together a list of all the meta domains that people could possibly buy. Did you buy some then? And was that uh, successful? Uh, no, I didn't. Cause you know, what's interesting about, so as a domain investors, we avoid trademarks. Right. And so what was interesting about Facebook changing its corporate name to meta is they then went about trying to trademark that for certain things. Um, but meta is also a generic term, you know, yeah. metaverse as well. So um, I didn't jump into a lot of those, but like Facebook, I, I want to say I'm going from memory here, but they paid like $7 million for FB.com when they bought that it was somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, the most expensive domain to ever sell that has been publicly announced was voice.com for $30 million. And there was a crypto company, that bought that domain. Um, and then uh, HubSpot, the marketing company, bought connect.com last year for $10 million. Um, so sales like that, at least that are publicly announced, are pretty rare. They're few and far between. But most domains sell for more like one to $5,000 um, on what we call the aftermarket. So if you go to GoDaddy, yeah, you can register a domain. If it's freely available, it's $10, $20, something like that for a year. Uh, for, for a dot com, there are lots of other choices out there too. Um, but what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll pick up some names thinking, Hey, this might be something that someone might want to use in the future. And the economics of it are pretty interesting because when you sell a domain name, you might be selling it for 10, a hundred times, 200 times what you paid for it. But most names will never sell. Right. So the, mm. the unit economics is like, Oh dude, you bought that for 20 bucks and sold it for 5,000. That's great. Yeah. But what about the other, you know, 99 domains that I bought for 20 bucks that are just sitting there? Right. Yeah. What about those? How do you feel later when you, you buy a domain name that you think is going to hit and 
It just sits. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the worst feeling is when you turn down an offer. So I have a domain musicphones.com and you might not remember this, but before the iPhone came out, or right when the iPhone was coming out, people were like, oh, music phones are the next thing, right? You know, of course, we jumped all the way over that to smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I had some offers for it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to hold out. This is worth a lot more. And, of course, the term music phones doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore, right? So, uh, so, so there's some of that, too. But, um, you know, it, it's an interesting, fun business. And it's, it's a neat community as well. What makes you decide to buy one name over another? There are a lot of metrics to look at, right? So what, Such as? what, what words are in them that are interesting? How many extensions have people registered that domain in? Um, so by that, I mean, you know, there's .com, there's net org. There's actually, there's a company in Seattle now that has hundreds of extensions that they sell, like money guru, .money guru, that sort of thing. Um, so if a name has been registered in a bunch of those extensions, that's a sign that there's some popularity behind it. Um, you look at length, uh, pronounceability, spellability. So we have what's called the radio test, which would be like if we talked about a domain name right here, um, could people spell it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can't, that's a challenge. So, you know, you think about like Lyft, the uh, ride-sharing company. We can all spell it now, but... And it's an app, so it's not as big of a deal. But if we were going to their website and you said, oh, yeah, check out this service called Lyft, I would fail the radio test because I would remember it's L-I-F-T, right, mm-hmm. instead of L-Y-F-T. Um, so you look at things like that as, as well. Interesting. And is this something that you do full time? So, no, I, uh, there, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, there there are some people that do, especially people that got in in the '90s, right, and got all these nice big names, um, and, and and some people that got in more recently. But for most people, it's kind of a, a side hobby. Um, and so, you know, I have a an online trade publication about the domain name industry, um, and I do that, and I buy and sell domains. And then until last December, I was running the podcast guest service as well. So, so radio tip for you. Not I have this domain name thing. You just say it. You know, Andrew dot com is where I post this um oh, oh, blog oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I That's, guess there are some people that might be interested in so you can go to domain name wire dot com or domain name wire dot com. Or I'll make it easier for you, DNW dot com and it'll go right there. So it'll take you right there. So is it like let's say Seattle dot com. If Seattle is your brand or whatever, would it behoove you to get seattle.com, .net, .edu, .org, .tv, .ak? Yeah, that's a good question. And my answer to that has changed. If you would have asked me 15 years ago, I'd say definitely get the comnet and org. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then in around 2013, 2014, all these new extensions started rolling out, including from this company in, in Seattle, um, that's now called Identity Digital. And it's just impossible to do now because they're over a thousand, right? And oh, so, so like net and org, there's 998 there's other extensions. Plumbing. <laughs> you know, there's, there's uh, you know, mortgage, there, dot mortgage. I mean, so all these things. So, so if you are a mortgage company, I'd recommend getting the dot com and then maybe dot mortgage or something like that, right? But it's it's impossible unless you have millions of dollars to go get all of these extensions. And you don't need to either. Like you don't need a dot bike extension if you're a finance company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
Yeah. So my answer 15 years ago would have been, yeah, go get the comnet org. Maybe your country code, you mentioned .uk. So there are also hundreds of these names in the US. We have .us. And I'd say, go get that. But now it's just, it's just not possible. So you have to be smart about it. And mm-hmm. generally speaking, at least in the US, companies still want the .com. That's their primary goal. How'd that become the most popular one? Well, it was one of the original ones. Um, and so because companies in the United States adopted the internet really early, um, that became one of the, you know, it became kind of the de facto here. Now you go to some other places like in Germany, the de facto is .de, which is our country code. Um, if you go to Czech Republic or Czechia, I guess now, um, .cz, you'll see that you hardly ever see a .com, at least last time I was there. Um, so because we were so early to it, the .us extension didn't really take off for us, whereas a mm-hmm. lot of other places, their country code. Um, but we have like wa.gov, and I think Alaska has 8K. Right. Um, I was Prob- wonder why the, US. Yeah. So, the rest of the mainland here didn't pick up on that. Yeah, so, you know, there is .gov, which a lot of um, – a lot of government entities and states have, have moved to. And then at the beginning too, a lot used like wa.us. I, I don't know what they used here, but in Texas it was .tx.us. But that gets confusing too, it's right? too much. Yeah, it's, it's too much. And so a lot moved over to like .gov um, from there. And to get, you know, there's certain extensions that have restrictions. You and I can't go get a .gov domain. Um, you have to be a government entity in the United States. That was my next question. Yeah. Like, can I just pretend I'm anti-government and get a .gov? No, no. And and .edu, you have to be actually a, uh, a, like a college or above. It wasn't always like that. I was, I was sitting in the ferry line and I saw this like preschool that had a .edu from Seattle. I was like, how'd they get that? I think like that rule came in effect in like 2000 and they had registered it in the nineties or something like that. So most of me is a, we can go register.org. You don't have to be a registered nonprofit to get those. Um, that's kind of a common uh, misnomer that people have. Um, and so uh, most of them are unrestricted. Com, net, org. Uh, some, some country code domains that we talked about, you actually have to be in that country or related to it. Mm-hmm. China has a lot of restrictions, as you might imagine, on who can get their .cn domains, that sort of thing. But for most people, a .com is the ideal thing, but a lot of time that a lot of times that domains can be taken, you, you know, so you can start adding words to it, like something Bainbridge, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, your ad here, blue canary, I think it was dot biz. Um, yeah. You know, they could do blue canary com. you know, if they wanted to a little bit longer, but you know, some people might go to blue canary.com by accident. I have no idea what's there. Hopefully it's not something that yes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I had, I had a friend call up and he's like, yeah, we bought, you know, something software.com. And now someone bought that something.com and it's an adult product and we don't know what to do. <laughs> right. So, yeah, there was a, this is a faux pas. My wife's going to kill me for saying this, but she used to play on the original woman sounders soccer team and they had a sponsor phone number 1-800-KICK but it was Lick and it was a porn site yeah and they advertised it on a night that they were giving away rape whistles from the Seattle Police Department to all the fans so the game was just a debacle because every time somebody in the fan in the stands didn't like uh, what was going on they'd blow the whistle 
Yeah. So the players are constantly like, where's oh. that whistle coming oh, from? Oh, man. And then the sponsor's 1-800 number was incorrect. Oh. Yeah, that was... <laughs> That marketing guy probably got fired, you know, but, but that does, you know, there are, I think a a lot of people don't put enough thought into their domain or it's an afterthought or they'll go Mm -hmm. get a subpar domain for 20 bucks because they can just go register it. Whereas if you're marketing a business and you plan on being around for a while, it makes sense to put a little bit of money into getting the right ideal domain. You have value in that name. You know, we, we talked about the radio test. If every time you're like, oh yeah, send me an email you know, Tim at, and then you have to spell out whatever your domain is each time or mm-hmm. remind them that it's dot something, not dot com. That's, that's gonna, that costs you something, right? You know, if you're running a business. And so I talked to a lot of business owners who are like, yeah, we thought we had a great name. And so what I tell people is if you think you have the right name for your business and the right domain name, go talk to five people, say, Hey, you know, check out my domain name example.com. And, and then have them tell it back to you and say, how, how would you spell that? You know, or do you even remember it? Could mm-hmm. you remember it? And then that way you can kind of get a flavor for, you know, are people hearing it correctly? Will this work for us? Yeah. Thank goodness for hyperlinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's so much, so much business is still word of mouth, especially in a place like this. Yeah. Right. You know, we're, we're talking about local businesses and that sort of thing. I cringe whenever I see, a lot of trades, they'll have a website, but then their email address is at AOL.com or something like that. It's Why like, are you no, picking on me? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, and they're putting it on their trucks and it's like, oh, come on for five bucks a month. You can get, you know, your, your, use your domain name as your email address. It'll look a lot more professional, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's the whole reason I don't do it. Cause I don't want anybody to confuse me with a professional. <laughs> um, yeah. At what point, What's the entry point, I guess, um, if you're a business owner and you're buying something aftermarket as opposed yeah. to something that's just mm-hmm. freely available? Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's say you're Juan the landscaper. How much money can you really put into that? Yeah. It, and it, where's it, the value? Yeah. Drawn it, at? It, it, it's a good question. And I think, you know, I, I guess the first thing I tell people is most domain names sell for one to $5,000. Um, so you don't need to think tens of thousands of dollars unless you're or hundreds of thousands, unless you're going after like a one word domain name or something really mm-hmm. good. Um, and a lot of people will sell them on terms, right? Like you can pay me, pay Monthly, it off over yeah. Yeah, 24 months. Right. And then, so then you're stuck, you start talking about a hundred to $200 a month. Well, how much are you spending on other types of advertising? Are you mm-hmm. advertising in the paper online? You know, you're probably spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on advertising, and then when you get to that point, it's like, well, okay, $100, $200 extra to have this great domain name that now when I advertise, people can remember it. You know, when they hear it on the radio or whatever, they'll remember it and they can't actually go visit it. Then you start to see a lot of the value there. Right. Yeah. I, I think the newspaper advertising is, is dead. I mean, you mentioned bluecanary.biz multiple times. You know, we're, we've worked it into the conversation how often are people going to remember bluecanary.com because this is a long format conversation as opposed to you just flipping the page in the newspaper. Yeah. And, and I don't know, you know, when you get to a hyper local business like this, I mean, and, and a lot of people now, the way we navigate the web has changed. People might hear blue canary here and they'll go Google it. Right. And as long as they're on Bainbridge Island, that's probably going to be what shows up. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, you better have that search engine pull, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you're a national brand, a software brand or something like that, it becomes even more important, right? I will say that I Googled Marche and I got the phone number and I called them and there's a Marche restaurant in Portland <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, we, we, you know, you can just walk in. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like Marche. I can no. never walk in there. And then it dawned on me later. I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. I think I called the wrong one, you know? And so that's the danger when someone's going to Google and, and looking up a company. You ever had the duck with the lentils at Marche? I have not. It's so good. They have a lot of good dishes, a lot of good dishes. Yeah. It's something I kind of forget because I eat at Tweez a lot, the Vietnamese place adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Incredibly clean food and stuff like that. But like we were talking before uh, off air about the availability, you yeah. know, we, we have a limited 5 PM to 9 PM food service on yeah. the Island. If you're lucky. And right. then not everybody's open every single day. Like I think the, I don't know, chopsticks, the high life pokey spot is closed on Wednesdays or something. It's pretty random, right? You yeah. go downtown and it's like, why is this restaurant so busy? Oh, it's the only one open. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like Bruciato the other day, um, it was a weekday, I think. And they open up at three o'clock and there was a line down the block. Yeah. Like some grip of, People came over on the ferry, and yeah. that that was where they're going. Right. What What have you noticed about tourists in this um, small town of ours? You know, um, one of the things that amazes me is how anti-tourist a lot of people are here. Whereas tourists, <laughs> get off my block. <laughs> tourists are like the best kind of thing. You know, the m- most cities try to attract as many tourists as possible. They come in. They spend money, they give you tax money, and then they leave, right, at the end of the day. Yeah, but they're sitting in the chair where I could eat my meal yeah. if they just go away. Yeah, <laughs> but that meal's going to go away and that restaurant's going to go away if you don't let the tourists. Well, it kind of does after tourist season's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, but, and, and, and I think you know, most of them hang out in Winslow, too. But Yeah, it's amazing. We on Bainbridge Island here have the ferry system come over from... Seattle every 35 minutes and people walk onto the ferry and then they take a left on Winslow way, which is kind of a retail district. And it's what, what you th- three blocks maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Just slightly up off the water and uh, they go to the end of the street, turn around, go back on the ferry and that's yeah. it. And I just wish they could understand how beautiful the Island is by getting out on a cat kayak, walking the grand forest, walking on the beach. Here's the issue. Transportation, right? You know, so we don't, I mean, we kind of have taxis, but you know, you got to reserve them in advance and they might or might not show up. We don't have Uber usually or Lyft. BI ride is not something that's advertised to tourists. I've tried to to use, yeah. And I've tried, yeah. You don't want to have to download an app just to get a ride, you know? Um, Although we do an Uber and Lyft. <laughs> well, yeah, but you already have that on your phone. You know, I think one of the things that this this city could do, you know, we do all these things like you know, BI Ride, I guess, is Kitsap, but it's expensive. It's, I, I mean, for, to run, right? Yes. It's this bus it's and all that sort of stuff. Not making money. If if the city could do a deal with the Uber or Lyft where it's like, okay, we'll guarantee two drivers will make at least 20, 30 bucks an hour if they're here from 5 to 9 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing then I think that would be super beneficial to this island. And I'll tell you what, too, it would also cut down on drunk driving. 
um, and that sort of thing. Because part of the problem is you can't take a taxi or an Uber to a restaurant. And if you can, how are you going to get home? Because it might not be around, right? Yeah. And I think that would be a PR win for Uber or Lyft, like talking about, hey, if we can actually do good, you know, like we're helping communities stay mm-hmm. connected and that sort of stuff. And so. the buses don't always run on a timely basis. They really the only run during the, the all of them busy during commuting times. hours, right? And it's great because they'll drop you off right at your house, you know, right. all, along the route or pretty darn close to it. But yeah, it's like, okay, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've come home on the ferry, you know, my whole family and it's late and you can't get a cab and you're like, well, I guess we're going to walk, you know, yeah, you're in walking distance though, right? Uh, yeah. But I mean, I feel like we're, I live a mile away from the ferry, so we walk on, it's free to get off the rock. And, uh, usually when I go to the airport, there's the light rail and it's two fifty, and, yeah. you know, it's a nice casual way to go. But if you're in a rush, that doesn't, it's not the way to go. And then on the way back, it it's silent, you know, it's, if you are coming back with luggage on a, off a flight or something, you want that ride. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you want them to be waiting there and, and you don't know which ferry you're going to be on until you kind of get off the plane. So you can't really reserve a taxi until you're en route to the, right. And then are you going to make that ferry? You know? So, so I think if there were reliable Uber type Lyft type or just taxi service here, um, I think it's something that the government should consider uh, subsidizing because we're we already subsidize public transport, right? So subsidizing something that actually works for people would be awesome. Yeah, I've often thought about having an electric bike rickshaw company down there just to cruise people because I, I think Uber and Lyft. The thing is, we're trying to minimize traffic, but when you just minimize it with the taxis, all those commuters from Kitsap County that just drives straight through the middle of the island just to get on the ferry to leave because that's the only way that they can get there in, in a fast route. You know, that that's millions of cars given pollution. And then you have the ferry, the dumping of the gas in the bay, and the Superfund site adjacent to that. Then you have, um, what do you call it, uh, the feces place. What do you call that thing? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Where the, oh, the sewage plant? Yeah, the sewage plant. There we go. Um, that's all right there. So we got bigger problems than a couple of taxis, but we seem to push the taxis off the island. Like, we, we don't want to have them here. We don't want to have extra wheels and, and such here. Well, yeah, I think, you know, loud voices will always focus on the things that probably aren't as important as, you know. Yeah. Uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's why you should spend your three minutes every Tuesday night on the diocese telling the city council what you'd like to see, like a scramble light off the ferry where just like Pike place market, we could have a time where all four people, four corners could walk and everybody could move as opposed to one, one light at a time, you know, mm. we get all those people that come off the ferry. They can walk to the left, to the right, wherever on one walk sing- signal. What are some of the things that you've seen from an out- outside perspective when you moved here that you just uh, like, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right. You mean other than the rotary? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me about the rotary. Uh, no, it, it, it's just funny how it's like every day on the Facebook group, someone's like, here's how you drive around a rotary, you know? Oh, roundabout. Uh, yeah, roundabout. yeah, roundabout. I'm not talking about the rotary auction. <laughs> oh, that rotary club. They've got yeah, issues. Those guys yeah. giving away all that money. Uh, I tell you. <laughs> uh, roundabout, rotary, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, we are an island of roundabouts. Um, we have two now, right? Yeah, and they thank goodness they um, didn't have enough funding to get that third at Addis Will because that just did not make sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I think a lot of people here want to hold on to what this island was like. Certainly before I got here, yeah, 10, 20 it's a lot years of old ago. money. Yeah, and. You know, again, I mean, I'll go back to my time in Austin, right? Like, yeah, there were some things that sucked about how I grew, but so much good came from it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being able to hang out and be entertained downtown, you know, after hours, right? Rather than yeah. just working there nine to five and then leaving. Um, so many new restaurants and, and venues and arts that didn't exist, you know, when I got there in the 90s. And, you know, I think a lot of people just shoot things down out of hand here, you know, mm -hmm. and it's... Um, you know, without thinking like, okay, I could see how I could benefit people like, um, you know, the hotel, for example, downtown, Yeah, which I mean, the developers bent over backwards to try to accommodate what people wanted. And to me, like one, we need more nice hotels here. We've got like two small ends. Right. And then, and then some, you know, some two star, which I'm yeah. sure they're fine, but if I want to have my family here and I don't want to keep them up at the house, you know, they well, like Wins Winslow Inn is a beautiful spot and a great place, but um, there's a limitation to how many people can enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and again, you know, tourists are like the best thing you can bring in. Imagine tourists coming in, paying lodging tax, paying, you know, going out to all these restaurants and then leaving after mm -hmm. the weekend. Right. You know, so things like that, it's just, it's frustrating. And then, and then the way that went down too, with, you know, basically being approved and then disapproved on the whim of city council votes, it's just, I, I don't, I don't like it. And I think it's creates, it creates a bad, bad yeah. precedent for people that want to invest money. So. Well, it's tough too, because what I've gleaned from, you know, having the majority of city council people on this podcast prior to election and after election and and talk about certain matters that the people care about. The thing that I've noticed that I don't really care for is you just need four votes. Council's seven people. So you and I, and then we just got to get two others to believe what we believe. So when it comes to people coming out to the council meetings and listening to these projects, their voices are heard to some extent, but it really comes down to just four people's decision on, on a certain idea. Well, yeah. And I, I guess the fact that all of these are kind of ad hoc ideas too, I guess they're trying to, you know, get a special permit and all that sort of stuff. It makes it challenging. I mean, I remember when someone wanted to build a storage facility off of what day road or something like that. Mm hmm. And then they retroactively banned store, you know, after they submitted their plans and, and that sort of stuff. I mean, that's just. It's like the affordable housing. You know, I, I asked <laughs> many people that were proponents of affordable housing to come on the podcast. Nobody would, but a couple people that were totally against it 
Well, did Clar- come up. Clarence, Clarence is big uh, on affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then you have things like, yeah, I mean, that's another but thing. Uh, go ahead. With the Bethany Lutheran Church, that was out of the zoning. Right. So, to me, it felt like spot zoning, like, it's too good of an idea to give up on. We will just, like you said, retroactively change the laws so it right. fits into this plan so they can do it. And they have a habit of doing it both ways. We'll yeah. change the law to suit our needs, or we'll s- change the law in the negative to not allow you to do what you wanted to do, yeah. even though you've gone through all the steps correctly and, and tried to do the right thing. I think there can be better communication too, right? Saying we want affordable housing, then I think you need to take a step by and say, okay, what are your goals? Um and so in, in articulating those, right? So I know one goal might be, hey, you know, look, our schools have fewer students enrolling. We want to get enrollment right. up. Okay. So then, you know, better be family friendly housing you're building. Another one is near the schools too. Yeah. Or in walkable. Um, and then another one you might hear is that, hey, you know, it's hard to get workers on this island and we can get more. So, okay, so tell me what percentage of people that live in affordable housing on the island right now work on the island, you know, and then show that data um, as a rationale. And then it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. I'd love for Bruciato to be open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love for them to be able to hire people and they can't because people have to commute a long way. So, you know, if you can show something like that, then that gets interesting. I think... A lot of times, you know, especially a very liberal island like ours, it's like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Affordable housing is the thing, right? Yeah. So, but if you go in and look at it, at least, you know, create that justification and have some data behind it. And then it's a lot easier, I think, to sell to a lot of people. But yeah, everyone is, everyone wants affordable housing as long as it's not in their backyard, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can talk for hours about affordable housing, I think. You probably um, know a lot more about it than I do. but Unfortunately, too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let's just skip over that yeah. and get back to, back to, <laughs> back to you. Um, so you did podcastguests.com. Yeah. You um, collect domain names. Your podcast is around domain names? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, let's this is where you drop your podcast name. Next week, I'll publish episode 425 of the Domain Name Wire podcast, which you can find at dnw.com slash podcasts. Say. Or on your favorite podcast app. <laughs> you ever heard that guy that does the Philly Who podcast? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, he has some other show, How to Grow Your Podcast. Um, you have the exact same voice as him on the radio. <laughs> and I'm like, Philly Who? No, that's Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so how often does your podcast come out? Uh, it's a weekly Every Monday morning. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it, it's a niche, you know, so it gets about 1500 to 2000 downloads per episode, which is about how many people would be interested in that topic. So, mm-hmm. so I figure I have a hundred percent coverage of people that listen to podcasts and care about that topic. So, and you write a weekly blog. Oh, it's multiple times a day on weekdays. So oh, really? yeah, just stories about what's going on in the, in the business. And that's, I guess I only catch the ones on your, um, LinkedIn page. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, that's as much as I can tolerate. I don't. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, again, for, for most people that wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. To come it just my blog seems to me like another form of gambling or a stock market in my mind, like what's the next buzzword, you know? 
certainly there's some of that, but I, I think once you get into it, there's a lot more to, you know, doing a good job at it. Right. I mean, I, I guess picking stocks, right. You're <clears throat> analyzing it, you know, looking at the fundamentals, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it, it's a similar sort of thing with domain. So names. how do you find data on uh, domain names? Oh, there are a lot of services out there you can subscribe to that we're like, okay, here are the domains that are being auctioned right now. Here are all the metrics behind them. And then you can sort and filter and all that sort of stuff. So, Is there a big auction site like eBay for domain names? Um, GoDaddy's the biggest one for auctions. They're mostly auctioning off expired domain names. So if you don't pay for your renewal, it gets expired and then they auction those off. Um, so they, I mean, hundreds of thousands of domains expire every week. And so what would all- you think is your most valuable domain name that you're holding right now? Well, dnw.com, which I use for my site, um, is probably the most valuable. Um, you know, some of my favorites are shortbread.com, candycorn.com, um, you know, lakeway.com, which is a, a city outside of Austin. Um, so those are some of my favorites. Yeah. What else you got going? You seem like a guy that's got your hands you in know, quite a well, few things. I'll, I'll be figuring out what to do next. Part of me wants to maybe buy like a local service or retail company, uh, which is something I've never done before. Um, But, you know, I think not a restaurant. I couldn't handle that. I'm an investor in a restaurant and I don't want to know more than I know about (laughs) what I hear about. I'm like, oh, this is this is an interesting business. But um, Uh, I learned way too much last podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And he set the standards for the food industry for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, uh, we'll see. I'm kind of taking a little bit extra time right now and then I'll, I'll figure that out. Maybe start looking at buying or building up a a new business later this year. I know there's a sexy podcast on the Island. That's yeah. You you think he'd sell? I don't don't know. (laughs) I think in a heartbeat, (laughs) Yeah, but I still want to continue to have discussions with people in my neighborhood. Right. I often think of myself as the Mr. Rogers of podcasting. There you go. I'm meeting people in my neighborhood that you may yeah, run I mean, into you, every you day. You came in here, you you took your shoes off and put on your house shoes. And, you know, I mean, yeah. you're, you're Mr. Rogers. How, house shoes is definitely a Southern term because when I lived in Kentucky, um, the doctor said, hey, you might want to pack a bag when your wife's pregnant and don't forget your house shoes. House shoes. It's like, what do you mean house shoes? Like, <laughs> not some rich guy that has some house shoes only. What are you talking about? And I figured out that they were slippers. Yeah, that's that's a bougie term that I use now, too. Yeah, yeah. My house and, shoes. Impress people, yeah. Um, that reminds me, if you have some extra house shoes, size seven and a half, that you would like to donate to the podcast so I can have podcast house shoes, send them my way. Three Tree Lane. <laughs> So, um, what are you looking forward to this summer? Uh, other than the sun, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how old's your kid? How long, long until? 16. So I've got oh, another, yeah. another year for college. So, gotcha. um, yeah, time, time's going by quickly. So yeah, slow that time down. I yeah. got two years myself. One thing that's, you know, tricky about living up here though, is a, it's far from everything. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to kind of get away for, for a weekend. Vancouver, the, BC. 
Yeah, yeah. That's the spot to go. But the other thing is that you don't want to go in July and August when the weather's great here and the kids are out of school, Shh, right? Don't let people know. <laughs> so it's like so it's like you have to go during the times when school's going on and, and that sort of stuff. So it's a little tricky. But. Yeah, we got school break next week here on yep. the island and I would really like to shut down for a week and go to Hawaii or somewhere hot yeah. and Get you and splash. everyone else. You and everyone else. Right? Wife's in Arizona right now, but it's 32 degrees know, in there. It's cold. it's cold. Cold, cold, cold. All right, Andrew. Um, tell everybody once again where they can find your blog and your podcast. Yeah, check out DomainNameWire.com if you have any interest in domain names. Surprisingly, there are a few people on this island who are big in domain names and work for some of the bigger uh, domain name companies out there. So... Um, so I know they read it. I've got at least two other readers on the island, but would love for people to check it out. And, uh, you know, still in the process of just meeting new and fun people on the island. So if anyone wants to, please reach out. Awesome. It's been enjoyable knowing you for the short period of time that I've got to spend with you. I hope we spend some more time. Definitely catch a cocktail or a, a meal here soon. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to The Bystander. Be kind.